0: Thank you, thank you. Evening, everyone. Evening live streamers, wherever you are. Uh, good to have you with us. Um, I might have told this story to one or two of you um, before, uh, but when I was about 17 or 18 years old, which wasn't that long ago, uh, I was, uh, <laughs> why laughing? It's not funny. Um, uh, I was uh, going to a birthday party. My friend was uh, 18. And her parents owned a a restaurant just up the road from where I used to live. And so we we had a really nice um, Italian meal. It was great. I was walking home, uh, and my mum rang me, um, uh, because she's a a bit of a worrier. She was like, are you all right? I was like, yes, fine. Yeah, I'm walking down the road. It's some lampposts. It's light. It's fine. Just chill. Uh, And then some people went past making a noise. And she said, what was that? I thought, so it was just some people, it's fine, they're just walking that way, it's all good. Um, and we carried on chatting for a bit. Uh, and then she said, Have they gone? I was like, Mom, seriously. Like, yes, of course they've gone. And I looked back, and uh, one of them, uh, I mean, there's two of them, they're in the distance, but one of them was coming back towards me. And he, he caught up with me and he said, I need to borrow your phone. But yeah, of course you want to borrow my phone. Um, I, that's what I thought. But I said, oh no, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm using it. I can't, I can't let you have it. Uh, that was not the answer that he wanted. <laughs> um, so he decided to try and take my phone. Uh, and I mean, it's a really rubbish brick of a phone. But it was mine, so I wasn't going to let it go. Uh, So he kind of, we wrestled for a bit, um, and and then I thought, oh, I'm getting out of here. So I ran away. Um, And then there was a guy, another guy coming towards me, and he looked like a nice person. So I said, oh, excuse me, there's this guy trying to nick my phone. I don't know who it is, um, but he's like trying to nick my phone. Can you help me out? Um, He didn't want to help me out. He was, I don't know if he was in shock or just, I don't know, but he stood there. Anyway, so the guy caught up with me. We kind of had a bit of another tussle. I was not letting go of my phone. And then we sort of break up, and he says to me, um, why are you scared? So oh, I don't know. <laughs> Let's have a guess. Um, <laughs> I thought to myself. Um, and you know what? But interestingly, in that moment, I, wasn't, I didn't feel particularly scared. I, mean, I wasn't enjoying the fact that someone was whacking me about the head. Um, but, but I was more confused. Because I thought, well, I'm not going to let go of my phone, and I'm, I'm not going to hit you, And I've kind of got places to be, so I don't, this is like, I don't want this to carry on. Like, this is just too much. Um, So anyway, so we carried on, and then I did, you know, I I carried on doing what what I can do really, really well under pressure, which is run quite fast. Um, So thankfully, I wasn't um, too far from home at this point, so I kind of ran home uh, to a quite relieved mum and family. Um, I had a bit of a kind of fat lip, uh, but I had... My brick of a phone. And so that's one conflict situation that I feel like I won uh, without throwing a punch. Uh, you can applaud now. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you. Um, before we um, have a look in a little bit more depth to, uh, to our verses this evening, uh, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you be with us this evening. May we have ears that listen and hearts that are open to all that you want to say to us and challenge us with through your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So uh, as Louise said, uh, we're thinking about anger and conflict in this particular part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And I wonder what your perception or your experience of conflict is. Are you someone that seems like, it just seems like anger and conflict is following you around, like my uh, wannabe uh, phone thieves? Um, are you finding that you yourself are becoming ever more anxious and angry? However you're feeling, it looks like that the world is becoming a more uncertain and destabilized and angry place. There's a company called Gallup. Uh, They're a large polling company. They do loads and loads of surveys. Um, And a couple of years ago, they sought to find the sort of mood of the world uh, with a global emotions report. Who knew that was a thing? But it is a thing. Um, And what they did was they surveyed 160,000 people across 116 countries uh, during 2020 and the first part of 2021. And the results of the study found that More people felt stressed, sad, angry and worried in 2020 more than at any point in their global tracking over the last 15 years. And they they think as well it's not solely down to the Covid pandemic, although of course that would have been a major contributor. They found that the downward trend of happiness has been continuing to fall over the last decade. According to the report, four in ten adults said they'd experience worry. About one in four or more experienced sadness or anger. And the poll actually concluded that 2020 officially became the most stressful year in recent history. I wonder what the results will show for 2021 or even 2022. In one sense, I guess the results shouldn't be too surprising, Much of the world during the pandemic was instructed to stay at home. Millions of people lost their jobs. And well-established businesses as well as smaller ones were forced to close their doors, many for good. Leaders and politicians were often divided as to how best to deal with the crises that unfolded and confidence in them deteriorated. Your families weren't allowed to go to funerals and were told not to attend religious ceremonies in churches or temples. And all the while, it seemed to many that the millionaires and the billionaires were getting richer and richer, whilst so many were getting poorer and more desperate. Post-pandemic, well, national political upheaval and change have competed with devastating conflict and natural disasters around the world to pile uncertainty upon anxiety and exasperation upon already volatile anger felt by so many at the state of our country and of our world. So I guess you could be forgiven for feeling like it's all kind of pretty hopeless and it's no wonder so many of us are reaching the ends of ourselves and sometimes maybe even lashing out in anger and frustration. And so how do these words, spoken by Jesus to a bunch of people on a hillside over 2,000 years ago, speak into and help us to make sense of the pretty bleak situation we find ourselves in? Well, firstly, I just want to assure you that they do. So if you fall asleep now, just remember that they, they actually do make a difference. They do speak to us, and we're going to unpack that over the next 10 minutes or so. And the first part of our verses tonight deal with our relationship with God. And then the second part deals with our relationship with other people. And ultimately, they're words of hope, they're words of life, they're words of love, and they're words of encouragement. And so if you find that you're wrestling with this, or you know somebody who is that might need encouragement right now. Let's take a look at Jesus' words and allow them to speak into our hearts and really take root. Because if they do, they might just change the entire way that we process our own feelings of anger and frustration, as well as how you yourself might get alongside those you know and love are struggling. Now, you know, I'm not a counsellor, you know, and if anger is something that you're really, really struggling with, I'd really encourage you to seek some help with that. But let's just spend some time together now being guided and encouraged by Jesus, who knows us better than we could ever know ourselves. Jesus begins with, You've heard it said, Do not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. And of course that I mean it's pretty obvious, hopefully. But I think the next part is is kind of the key part. He says, But I tell you, anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. You know, Jesus isn't kind of putting the law in the bin or putting in his own kind of spin on it for the sake of it. You know, he's helping his listeners and us now to understand more fully why God made this law for people to follow in the first place. Jesus teaches that our thought process, how we think, deeply affects who we are and how we behave. And so allowing our anger to grow to the extent that we might cause serious harm to someone else is what we should be tackling. Because otherwise, we've effectively committed murder or or, or deep, deep damage in our hearts because the, the, i mean the pharisees who were the really sort of strictly religious people of jesus's day you know, they read the law they knew they hadn't murdered anyone and they felt kind of quite pleased with themselves and yet they were so angry angry enough to plot jesus's death though of course they wouldn't do any of the dirty work themselves we can miss the intent of God's word when we read his rules for living the best kind of life without trying to understand why he made them in the first place. You know, of course, killing is a terrible, terrible act. But anger can actually violate God's command for us to love. And here, Jesus is talking about the kind of anger that is a, sort of like a seething sort of bitterness against someone else. And it's dangerous, threatening to leap out of control and lead to violence, emotional hurt, anxiety, and paranoia, as well as spiritual damage. You know, Jesus rightly equates anger with judgment. You know, it's a sin to be taken seriously. and We need to take it seriously because this kind of anger prevents us from being right with God. You know, we can be pleased when we don't respond to provocation with violence. Uh, you may be able to tell that I was, and still am, very pleased with the fact that I uh, didn't respond with violence to the very misguided individual who thought my phone uh, was his phone. And that self-control is good, but Jesus wants us to practice thought control as well. In the Greek word for angry here points to the kind of anger that seeks revenge. And refuses to be calmed. It's not the kind of anger that we want or need in our lives. I think it's important to say as well that it's not wrong in itself to feel angry. It's a natural emotion and one that we need to process in a healthy way. But righteous anger is different. That's a kind of anger that's grieved by sin and death and any and every form of evil and injustice. Righteous anger is a characteristic of Jesus. It speaks the truth in love and with gentleness. Jesus flipped the tables in the temple. He got angry, but righteously angry, over the things that take our heart and our focus away from God. We are to be gentle and respectful, to turn the other cheek, as Jesus talked about and did far more often, rather than to hold on to and be consumed by bitterness and aggression. Being consumed or preoccupied with anger creates ever higher barriers between us and God. And also, contempt for others, those whom God created and loves, can foster contempt for God. And you know, there's nothing that Satan wants more than for us to be divided and apart. There's nothing that makes him happier than for us all to be isolated and alone, disconnected from one another, and with the opportunity for our negative thoughts to fester and get the better of us. You know, we're made for relationships. That's how God wired us. That's how he's wired, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But it's not enough to simply just avoid violence and murder, for example. We want to avoid hatred in order for our relationship with God and with others to be right and to lead to transformational change in us, in our communities, and in our world. God has given Each one of us, by his Holy Spirit, power to change the world for good. And I think the call is getting louder and louder for his church, for his people to respond to the needs and the cries of the people of this earth by modeling what it is to love and to be stirred by the hurts and the injustices of the world and to be prompted to action. You know, the enemy doesn't want that. And so that's exactly why we must make it our goal. And you know, righteous anger might be part of the fuel that drives us, but it will never drive us to insults or wrongdoing. It will only ever drive us closer to the heart of God, which desires more than anything to see the lost, the last, and the least loved, and cared for. 1 John 4 verse 19 says, we love because he first loved us. It's not because we get something back or because it makes us look good on social media or whatever. It's because he loved us first. And then a bit later on in verse 21, it says, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. So love is to be our motivation and our action. And where we experience broken relationships with others, or relationships that are deteriorating, reconciliation is our goal. Because the brokenness will get in the way of a loving, life-giving relationship with God. Matthew 5, verse 23, reminds us that if we're offering our gift at the altar, and we can take that to be literally or or metaphorically, if we're offering a a gift of worship or praise or time to God, and we remember there's a relationship that we have, that there might be a barrier to that. First, we've got to reconcile. We've got to restore our relationship with them first. Because actually, if we say we love God, but we're holding on to some amount of anger or bitterness or judgment for someone else, we're actually kind of being a hypocrite. We've got double standards. We can't love God fully and completely if at the same time we're being consumed by such bad feeling. Paul, in Romans 12, verse 18, says, If it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Because you know, sometimes it might actually not depend on you. There are people and situations that are totally outside of our control. And that can be so painful. But as far as it does depend on us, we should strive for peace. And it should be something that we try and do quickly. We should make it a priority. You know, in Jesus' day, somebody who couldn't pay a debt would be thrown into prison and they'd stay there until their debt was paid. Jesus commands us to settle our differences with one another because when we ignore them, we can be imprisoned by them. You know, we can go over and over them in our minds. And our unresolved anger can build and build, affecting in turn the other relationships we have and sometimes even the hope that we have that things will change for the better. You know, we're effectively handing on a, plate, a place for the enemy in our lives. We're putting the welcome mat out for Satan when we should be opening the door to reconciliation that sends him running. Jesus has reconciled us to God because he died for us, taking on all our mistakes and our anger and our wrongdoing so that we can be right with God and perfect in his eyes. And that's why Jesus, and only Jesus, is the hope of the world. That's why he places his Holy Spirit in the hearts of those who follow him because he knows it's not going to be easy to live as hope-filled reconciled, peaceful people when we live in a world that is so broken. But there is an invitation open to you tonight to say yes to God. Yes to Him breaking through into those patterns of angry thoughts and actions that are preventing you and Him from knowing each other. Yes to God breaking through into the anger that's eating you up and holding you back. Yes, to breaking through into broken relationships that maybe you just can't see ever healing and being as they once were. Jesus can change all of that. I wonder if you're able to, if you might stand and... um, Let's, let's pray. If the band could come back up, that would be amazing. Um, I wonder if we might pray uh, together, pray for one another, for God to, to break through into those situations of our lives that maybe we're still angry about. And it, might be, it might not be that we're kind of punching walls or anything like that. It might just be it's just there. It's just kind of like a knot. And I, I, I think God wants to let that go. I think God wants to loosen some of those knots and release some of that kind of anger and bitterness. Or maybe there's someone, as kind of, I was speaking, that someone that came to your heart that you're like, oh, maybe they're kind of consumed by something that's happened. And maybe you want to kind of step up um, for them this evening. And so I wonder if um, there's going to be one or two people to pray, um, but I wonder if um, you might close your eyes and. Um, just as the, as the band play, if you might, if that resonates with you, if you might come to kind of step forward.